Today's passage is Luke chapter 6, starting from verse 1, to round it all the way to verse 11. Now it happened on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the great fields and his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Verse 3, But Jesus answering them said, Have you not even read this? What David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he went into the house of God, took and ate the showbread, and also gave some to those with him, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he said to them, The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. We'll take a pause here and look at it a little more in detail, and then we'll jump into the second instance where where we'll meet the man with a withered hand. Now, several important characters are presented uh, to us in this chapter. We have Jesus, the Messiah, um, the Christ. We have the Pharisees, who are kind of the Jewish, the Jewish religious leaders, um, those who kept the, the the religious laws with the stringent rigor, um, and 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 they did not just keep it, but they looked to make others who are of the religion keep it as well. They kind of enforced the law, the law on the Jewish people. And then there were the scribes who are considered the experts of the law and. Uh, People kind of went to them for interpretations regarding the law uh, when they had, and they, they were deemed to have some legal authority. We will find in the second bit um, a man, an unnamed man with a withered hand, and uh, Jesus is going to meet him again, as we said, on a Sabbath. And then we have Jesus' disciples. Now, we are not given much info regarding the exact location of the events of this chapter. But um, in this part, we are beginning to see an increasing hostility that Jesus is experiencing uh, from the Jewish religious leaders. And it is plain by just looking at uh, these two events that we are considering this morning, um, that the bone of contention was mainly regarding the Sabbath day and the keeping of it, the Sabbath day, and the fact that uh, they kind of believed that Jesus was violating God's law with regard to keeping the Sabbath day. So in the first story, they're walking along, Jesus and his disciples are walking along, um, and the, the disciples kind of go into a nearby field, plucking some heads of the grain, and they rub them in their hands and they kind of blow the chaff away and, and they eat the grain. Um, now, we need to understand one thing. That this particular act in and of itself was not unlawful. Okay? 
this particular act in and of itself was not unlawful. As a matter of fact, God had made provision in the law of Moses for people to do this very thing. It was primarily for the poor and they could go into anyone's field and eat some of their grain as long as they didn't bring along their harvesting tools. You know, you were not really looking to harvest the grain, only to satisfy a need that was imminent. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25 kind of points that out. I will read. You don't need to turn there. When you come into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not use a sickle on your neighbor's standing grain. Okay? So it was allowed by the law to do this very act. And the thing is, a lot of the paths between cities and villages and towns kind of went through fields. Um, And uh, if you just happened to be walking through and got hungry, you could divert, get in, pluck some, satisfy your need, and move along. As long as, as I said, you didn't bring bring along your, your harvesting implements. And this is, by the way, considered one of the laws of mercy. It is considered one of the laws of mercy. And so, the problem really isn't what these disciples were doing. The problem isn't what they were doing. Rather, when they were doing it. And uh, Luke records that, you know, it all took place on a Sabbath. And then the big question comes, so when is the Sabbath? When is the Sabbath? And you know, this is a topic uh, that can really get us into so much, you know, theological debate and all, which we will not delve into today. But just to briefly state that it has been and continues to be Saturday. Ideally, that's what the Sabbath is, the seventh day, Saturday. And um, you may be thinking, what's the big deal? I mean, you're walking along and you get hungry, you know, grab some grain, eat. I mean, who cares? Who cares what day it is? Well, uh, for the Jewish people, it was, in fact, a big, a really big deal. To the Jews, it was a big deal. As far as they were concerned, the disciples were guilty of all kinds of violations all kinds of violations. Just to mention a few of those violations, by just picking the grain, the disciples were guilty of reaping on his Sabbath. Just by picking the grain, they had reaped on his Sabbath. It was work. It was considered to be work. By separating the grain from the stock, and you would step, so you, have, you just pluck the stock, you separate the grain from the stock before you can now rub it in between your hands. So be, by separating the grain from the stock, they were guilty of Threshing. <laughs> yeah, guilty of so they've been guilty of reaping, now they're guilty of threshing. And by rubbing the grain in their hands, and you know the act was kind of, you know, you hold it in, the, in between your hands, rub it, then blow the chaff away. Whatever is left is what you then consume. So by rubbing the grain in their hands and separating the kernel from the chaff, they were guilty of winnowing guilty of winnowing. So it is to the Jewish person a very big deal. A 
And we read stuff like this and, you know, to us it is seemingly ridiculous. How, you know. But you've got to remember, in the eyes of the strict Pharisees, this was a life and death matter. It was indeed a life and death matter. Whether someone was actually working on the Sabbath or not, it was a life and death matter. And so the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is not lawful? That's the question that they posed to Jesus and his disciples. Why are you doing what is not lawful? And keep in mind that uh, they believed that these men were breaking God's law. Now Jesus in responding starts uh, talking to them about David. Uh, way before he becomes king and uh, he's kind of on the run running away from uh, King Saul. David and his men become hungry and they enter God's house and they eat bread that was only meant um, for the priests. And this is also, this is uh, picked from 1 Samuel chapter 21. I'll read, I'll read this just quickly so that we can understand where the comes from. Verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1 says, Now David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? Verse 3. Now therefore, what have you on hand? David asking Ahimelech. Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. Verse 4. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread. There is no common bread on hand. But there is holy bread. If the young men have at least kept themselves from women, uh, six says, so then the priest gave him holy bread for there was no bread there but the showbread which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. Now we need to understand that uh, the holy bread, otherwise referred to here as uh, the showbread, um, was kept on a special table in the holy place. Not the holy of holies in the, in the temple, but rather this other holy place in the temple. And it had a symbolic meaning. It symbolized God's fellowship with his people, the breaking of bread. God's fellowship with his people. And only the priest and his family could eat it. And guess what? They couldn't take it out to picnic. They had to eat it from the holy place. They were to consume it in that holy place as soon as it had been replaced with a fresh hot bread. So, in relating this story to them, Jesus, in essence, is telling them that, you know, David and Ahimelech broke the rules. David and Ahimelech broke the rules. And so, the question in our minds is okay, so if they broke the rules, why then did God overlook the breaking of those rules? Why did God overlook the breaking of these rules? Why didn't he strike them dead? Pop, Maramoja. And there's a very good answer to that question. There's a very good answer to that question. And the answer is that human need is more important than religious ritual. Amen? 
Amen? Human need is more important than religious ritual. Human need is more important than religious ritual. Now, fact is, these exact words may not appear in the Bible. But uh, the idea is scattered all through scripture. And we'll look at just but a few passages that kind of bring out that idea. Hosea chapter 6 verse 6. Hosea chapter 6 verse 6 says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offering. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Isaiah chapter 58. This is a fairly long one, but we'll just quickly go over it. Isaiah chapter 58 from verse 1 to verse 7. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 1 to... Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Now the Lord is responding to them. In the day of your fast, guess what? You, f- you find pleasure and you exploit your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with a feast of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul. Just a day, a single day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast? Would you call this a fast? And an acceptable day to the Lord. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? Now he puts clear what he is seeking from them. Is, it, is this not the fast that I have chosen? To lose the bonds of the wicked, to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring your house, and you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover them and not hide yourself from your own flesh. So, they were kind of busy with the, you know, religious rituals and uh, at the back of their minds wondering why God wasn't paying attention. And his response to them, it's because you have no care for your fellow men. You have no single care for your fellow men. And um, so what that kind of shows us is that to God, human need trumps religious ritual. Amen? Amen? Psalm 51. This is the last one we're looking at. 
Psalm 51 with regard to you know, human need being more important than religious ritual. It's a short one. Psalm 51 verse 17. The sacrifice of God, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Now, this is David in, you know, in repenting after after having committed adultery with, uh, with Bathsheba and, you know, going a step further, conspiring to have, you know, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, killed. David understood that the sacrifices that God was and is still looking for this day is not, you know, sacrificing so many cattle to him, not, not really sacrificing a bunch of animals. Rather, a broken heart is what he was looking for. So we see this concept over and over in scripture that human need is more important than you know, religious ritual. Yet, it's not just the religious leaders in the Jews, in, the, in, the, in, the, in Jesus' day that couldn't accept this. It is uh, shocking that even today, Phariseeism and you know, that Pharisaical thought and attitude still exists. There's a commentary I was looking at that just to prove that this stuff still goes on in an orthodox neighborhood in Israel. A fire breaks out in one apartment and tenants instead of responding to that immediate need contact their rabbi to find out whether it was lawful or not to make a phone call to the fire department to have them come over and extinguish the fire. And believe it or not, that fire caught two other apartments and they were raised to the ground. Apparently, observant Jews are forbidden from telephone calls on the Sabbath. And it is deemed a form of work. So in the half an hour, in the half, an, in the half hour that uh, it took the rabbi to decide whether or not it was, you know, violation, the fire spread. And um, the occupants of those apartments sadly perished. And this is, isn't just going on amongst Orthodox Jews. It is also happening in the Christian church as well. Now look at Jesus' statement in verse 5 of um, Luke 6. And he said to them, The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, I am Lord of the Sabbath. And if I wasn't offended by the action of this man, then there's nothing to be offended about. Right? You know, the Jews are the recipient of the Sabbath, yet Yeshua, Jesus, is the Lord of the Sabbath. 
So don't you think as Lord of the Sabbath he would uh, know if a Sabbath violation had been committed? Think about it for a moment. These Pharisees are offended that God's laws have been violated. Yet, here is God standing right in front of them. They were essentially accusing Jesus, who is God in human flesh, of being party to a violation of his own. How ridiculous. Now, before we move into the second part of the story, where we meet the man with the withered hand, Jesus starts his response to the Pharisees by asking them, Have you not read? While referring to David's um, account, Have you not even read this? And the answer is, Of course, they had read this from a young age. They're grilled in scripture. They kind of recite scripture back and forth. They had indeed read this over and over, perhaps even a hundred times. The problem could be that they never understood whatever it is that they read. Here's a quote uh, from the late William Barclays. It is possible to read scripture meticulously, to know the Bible inside out from cover to cover, to be able to quote it verbatim and to pass any examination on it and yet completely miss its real meaning. We can know it in and out, recite it, and yet miss out on the scripture's real meaning. In other words, it isn't that impressive to just know the Bible frontwards and backwards. The big question is, are we leaving the word of God? Are we leaving it out? And James admonishes us to not just be hearers of God's word, rather to also be doers of the word. And that is what is impressive. Are we walking in obedience to God's word? Are we walking in obedience to God's word? Plain head knowledge doesn't hack it. It doesn't do it. The Pharisees knew the story. They, of course, knew it. But they were blinded to the meaning. They were blind to the meaning. They missed the meaning altogether. And the meaning here was compassion, mercy, human care. Compassion, mercy, human care. That they did not see. Now on to the second run. With these religious leaders. You know, this is now taking place in the synagogue. From verse 6 of Luke chapter 6. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, watched Jesus closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath that they might find accusation against him. But uh, he knew their thoughts. He knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, now the Pharisees, I will ask you one thing. 
is it lawful on the sabbath to do good or to do evil to save life or to destroy and when he had looked around at them all most probably not receiving any response from them he said to the man stretch out your hand and he did so and his hand was restored as whole as the other but they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus very strange so to the scribes and pharisees to heal on the sabbath again was considered work and therefore unlawful would you do this on the sabbath i think about it for a moment when we are used of the lord you know and he brings about miraculous healing we have no part in it really we are not the ones doing it he's just but using us as vessels and so it is him who is healing so does it mean that him healing a person on the sabbath is us you know kind of cornering him into violating his own precepts <laughs> we're not really manipulating god against his own will why does jesus ask whether or not it was lawful to do good why does he ask them could he have known that uh, they cared less about doing good more than they did keeping the rules and you know what has it that you know take an example of the rest day God just tells them, you know, rest on the Sabbath, rest. But they go a step further in wanting to define what this rest should look like. And so they create for themselves and those within the religion hurdles upon hurdles upon hurdles. You look at the cleansing ceremony, you know, just clean yourself up, but you know, they start measuring how much water is enough to, you know, to get yourself clean, blah 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 blah. blah religious so why does he ask could it be that he knew how much they cared about keeping the rules more than doing good and making sure that you know others also comply in keeping those rules apparently kindness generosity compassion that was not in a pharisee's vocabulary and it kind of takes me back to the parable of the parable of the um, the good samaritan you remember yeah as people are going to the synagogue morning this stranger has been attacked by robbers but kill him to na tembelea huko mbali trying to keep the law rather than doing good if you can look at it he's kind of pushing them in this new direction but they're oblivious to it is it lawful to do good or evil 
on the Sabbath, he asks them, and they kind of go blank. They go blank. No response. Now, Matthew brings out another question that Jesus throws at them during the same account, but now in Matthew verse uh, 12, chapter 12. Um, I'll read that. Matthew chapter 12, verse 11. Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value, he asks, of how much more value then is man than a sheep? Therefore, he answers the question, therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Now, in as much as we're told that the men, were, or rather, we're not told whether or not the men responded here, they just go quiet. Luke uh, doesn't, but Mark points out that Jesus was distressed at their hardness of heart. Jesus did not find it amusing, the hardness of heart. That they cared more about violations of the law than they cared about people. Mm-mm. In Mark 7, Jesus says to them from verse 8, For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. The washing of pitchers, pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do, he said to them. All too well, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your traditions. All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your traditions. And so, same thing, when it comes to Sabbath, Saturday or Sunday, we are in a kind of different covenant with the Lord, a spiritual one. So, we may not necessarily observe the Sabbath as the Jewish Orthodox would, but we still do observe the the Sabbath. Every single day as we rest in the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen? Amen? So are you resting in that finished work of the Lord on the cross? Are you resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross? Because we may turn it around and ask, why do you then just observe the Sabbath on one day of the week? Why not observe it daily? And Paul, while speaking to or writing to the Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon 
or sabbaths continuing on to 17 which are a shadow of things to come but the substance is of Christ the substance is of Christ so the challenge to you and I today is am i resting in all the finished work of the lord on the cross or am i finding you know other observances of the law to be what hacks it for me but to is law then more important to me than the well-being of my fellow beings it's a challenge and for you who hasn't established a relationship with the lord there's no other way your rest needs to be in the finished work of the lord jesus christ on the cross there's, there's no shortcut there's no alternative alternative way and unless you are resting on that finished work of the lord on the cross then for you then it is a different story when time comes is there anyone amongst us who would wish to then rest in the finished work of the lord on the cross is there one amongst us let us pray father we bless you and we honor you we thank you for the truths that are hidden in your word and thank you for revealing them to us how we pray that you would help us not to just be listeners of your word but to go a step further and to do that which you have admonished us to do walk in us and through us to accomplish your purposes and to do as you please to bring yourself glory and honor we commit the week ahead of us into your hands asking that you would walk with us that you would guide us you would direct us you would help us see opportunities to be of help to those around whom you've positioned us and if there be amongst us those that haven't rested in you yet and in your finished work we continue to pray that your holy spirit would minister to them that your holy spirit would woo them to yourself and when the time comes lord that they would seek to have a relationship with you and for those of us who have a relationship with you already lord thank you for reminding us that which you would have us do so help us by the empowerment of your holy spirit to step out and to do exactly that we thank you and we bless you and these things we ask in jesus name